We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It's Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Time to react to UFC 264. Lots to get to in today's program. Obviously, we will start off with... The main event from last night, Dustin Poirier victorious over Conor McGregor. He uh, won via TKO at the end of the first round as Conor McGregor's leg snapped uh, in the waning seconds of the first round. In a wild first round, a fun first round uh, between the both of them. Conor came out um, and Joe Rogan actually had a really astute observation from the get-go, and that was, uh, you know, something I noticed too right away. Is like, man, Connor's not uh, doing his little crazy eyes thing at the camera. He's not like placating to the crowd. Just came out uh, very angry. A uh, lot of emotion from him, and uh, you know, it was. I was interested to see what kind of guy we were going to see in these first couple of minutes. And you know, Dustin Poirier, pretty much uh, cool, calm, and collected like he usually is in the in the goings of his fight. Uh, and, and this first round, I mean, it really did have a, a, a lot of everything. It really did. I mean, you had uh, Conor McGregor definitely going back to that more karate style, really trying to uh, throw some kicks, mix it up a little bit more, not just go into a straight hands fight. Um, ended up cracking Dustin with a big with a big left hand off of those uh, those body kicks, uh, which are, which, you know, were, were so important with Conor in the early goings of his career. So I think if you were a Connor fan, you were probably feeling pretty good that Connor looked like he had a more sound game plan. Um, really was, uh, was going to town on Dustin with the lower leg kicks, which was, you know, such an overblown story of the, the first fight. Everybody was crazy with the calf kicks on Connor in that first fight. And so he was definitely trying to dish that out on his own. Um, were there ramifications from that? Tough to say. I mean, you know, he, uh, you know, with the way that the fight ended, Dustin Poirier certainly thinks so. But, you know, once again, it looked like a guy who, uh, you know, once it really started to settle down to the striking game on the feet, Dustin was getting the better of him, man. Like he was, you know, he took that first big shot from Connor, um, ate it. And then, you know, once the whole kicking game got to it, when it, when it comes to boxing, I mean, there's not a better one in the game than Dustin Poirier, man. And, you know, shout out to, uh, his coach at Boca Boxing District, Dia Davis, and and just and Dustin and all the crew at uh, American Top Team with the work that he's done. He's just he's so good in chaos, and he's so good when it comes to those on the feet exchanges. And so they get up against the cage, and then Connor kind of stuns the world because he's got Dustin Poirier's head under his arm, and he decides, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna 
pull guard and try and go for the guillotine, which, you know, you, you maybe you thought it wasn't like Dustin versus Habib where you were like, oh man, that's this. Maybe he is going to get Khabib. Maybe this is, he is got him tight tight. Maybe he is fading. No, it was like, kind of gave it like five seconds of like, oh, look at Connor. Is he actually going to win this fight in the most unpredictable way possible? Um, but Yo, Dustin, just so well-versed, so well-rounded, calm, cool, collected, found his way out, and uh, then just started really going to town, um, really, really bludgeoning Connor with some some big-time elbows. Connor, to his credit, uh, was able to, uh, to deliver his own punishment from the bottom, hit him with some nasty elbows from the side. Um, you know, and at this point, you don't really know. He's not really on his, uh, his feet and mobility, so... If there were any ramifications from that one that one kick that Dustin did check in the exchanges, you know, maybe it's kind of tough to know because they're not on their feet. They're not really fighting. And maybe, maybe I don't know if Connor felt something and, and that was a reason to pull guard. I don't know. It's 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 hard to say. But um Dustin was definitely in a you know, Connor was in a bad spot for the majority of a round and was doing as good as he could. With that position from hitting stuff at the bottom, he actually hit Dustin with a nice up kick. Um, like I said, had some good elbows, but but Dustin was getting the better of it. I mean, Dustin was bludgeoning him with some big elbows. He was, you know, sizing him up with big shots from the top. And, uh, you know, eventually, like, brought it back to the feet with about, I think it was like 20 seconds left before we had the crazy, uh, the crazy ending. So it was a wild, wild first round. And uh, I'm sure a taxing first round to both guys. It's tough to know. Uh, I know that I think, and I, and I said this last week um, in my prediction of the fight. Listen, the fight did, uh, didn't go how anybody, I think, nobody predicts that Conor McGregor is going to break his leg. Um, but I don't even think Conor probably got off to as fast as a start as he hoped that he could. I, I think that that was definitely... Um, you know, the idea that you you spend, it, it, it's it, you go into this and you, you know, having some success early, but, you know, with him going to the point where he's, you know, going for the guillotine, you know, two minutes into the round, that's a, that's that was pretty wild. So, you know, I, I would venture, I think, I think it's safe to say, look, if Connor doesn't get hurt, you're probably feeling pretty good if you're a Dustin Poirier fan that he is going to, take that and, and roll forth. But maybe he was tired too. Look, he was spending a lot of time holding Connor down and, and hitting some big shots. So maybe he's not as quick and Connor can hit him with something. So yeah, there's definitely a level of it that is unsatisfying. You never want to see a fight end like this. Um, especially these guys who look, I mean, that was very clear in the, in the aftermath of this, the, the rivalry is cranked up to higher than it ever was. Like the first fight, was just, hey, Connor's rise. He was talking crap about the size of Dustin Poirier's head. Um, the second fight, super, super chummy. This third fight has been, I mean, it was super nasty, and it feels like it's even nastier after the fourth fight. I mean, Connor McGregor was sitting there on the ground, and they were still going at it with each other. Dustin Poirier, who was as nice as they come, he was Billy strutting over to Connor, who was getting his leg put into a splint, uh, and, and telling him to shut, shut your bleep bleep mouth up um it, it's a nasty rivalry afterwards and and when you uh and and i believe dustin's line in the, uh, in the aftermath of joe rogan is that karma's not a b karma's a mirror 
and uh, you know, calling Connor's Connor a dirtbag. And look, Connor didn't exactly um, stifle any of that stuff with, you know, the low blows to, to Dustin Poirier's wife is just, it's just as low rent as it gets for Connor, you know, because that was the one thing with the trash talk this week. You know, you're looking forward to seeing it. And we were certainly having fun with it on the morning show with his construction guy uh, analogy, but you know, the whole go, you know, using the Jake Paul move of, Oh, your wife was sliding into my DMS. You're, and then uh, calling his wife uh, a hoe in the, in the, uh, while you're getting your leg taped up uh, just to, just to get stretchered out of the, uh, the octagon. Just thought it was very unbecoming of Connor. Like he's not, he's, he's certainly, uh, he's certainly a guy who we like when he plays the bad guy, but he's always, he's always led in the, in the realm of, uh, he's other, other than Habib is usually led in the land of hey once the fight's over, the fight's over. And we kind of just kind of go about, this was not that, I mean, this is, this is a guy who I think is very, not only angry with how the fight ended, um, but I think he's probably very angry with where he is in the sport. He is a competitor. He is a competitive guy. And right now he's looked upon as a guy who I think uh, a lot of people feel like if that fight would have gone past that first round, he was going to get maybe the worst beating of his career because Dustin Poirier has got a gas tank for days. He is best. Uh, he is, you know, great in chaos. And he just seems like he's better at counter than everything in the octagon right now, quite frankly. Um, it will never know. And I, I do think the one thing for Connor that this ending gives him is that it benefits him in that he does get to hold on to that shred of mystery and he does get to hold on to the shred of what if, and he does get to hold on to, Hey, if my leg didn't break and we were standing again, I was going to take you out. He gets to hold on to that. And I guess that's something, but who knows what a guy who was already looking past his prime now has this devastating injury for a guy who's always been about move. Remember when Conor McGregor was coming up the move, uh, the movement, the movement coach, you know, I, I understand the human body better than everybody. And, and now he is not only just not an immortal, he's a guy who's literally uh, sitting there with broken bones in the octagon. And, with all this ideas, is he the same guy with mystique? Is he the same guy with talent? Now, is he going to be the same guy health-wise? Is he going to be that guy who comes back? Because you know Anderson Silva never quite came back the same. We don't know what's going to happen with Chris Wyman. It's a it's a it's a horrible injury to come back from, especially for a guy like Connor who's always been about speed and movement and angles, um, and certainly against these championship quality guys like. We've now seen him again there with Dustin, and Dustin won that round, clearly. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I think that that's, to him, that's the only benefit that comes out of this. You know, if you if you told him, hey, you get to at least have the what if over it, but um, instead of just getting bludgeoned by Dustin Poirier, what would you take? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Maybe it's still to be healthy, but... That's a tough one, man. And as far as Dustin's concerned, you know, this in a, in a lot of ways for him couldn't have gotten better because, yeah, he doesn't settle the score with Conor McGregor quite because they still hate each other more than ever. But now that fourth fight feels like it's going to be even bigger than this one was because of the bad blood. And now 
So he has that Conor. Remember that Conor McGregor fight, this once in a lifetime Conor McGregor payday that you have to take advantage of. You have to take it to set up your family. You have to do all of that. Well, now he gets the chance to go fight Charles Oliveira, become champion of the world, and he's probably going to have another Conor McGregor payday. If not this year, I mean Conor McGregor. You have an injury like that, I wouldn't expect him back for probably a full calendar year, if if not if not longer. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it it, it definitely it, it, it. I don't want to say it's it's unsatisfying because it's not like we didn't get. It's not like something that happened thirty seconds in the round. Like we got a. It, it is. It, it's an unfulfilling trilogy because usually it's supposed to be one one and then. Winner has bragging rights. I certainly think that Dustin does walk away with some of that because he clearly won these guys in, in five minutes of, of combat. He definitely got the better of it. Um, but there's always gonna, there, there is always going to be that what if for Connor that he's going to be able to hold on to. But thankfully, I think for Dustin is that what if will lead to a lot more money for him. And probably uh, I would venture to guess would be the biggest payday out of all of them because maybe it's for a world title. So for him... I'm glad that Dustin gets the opportunity. Um, it, it would have been devastating for him to, you know, have this Connor fight, have all the fights that he's won, and never get a chance to fight again for the for the lightweight championship after losing it to Habib. Um, I, I'm I'm looking forward to him versus Charles Oliveira, who's no punk. I mean, look, this that that fight's going to be the anti uh, this fight, and what I mean by that is the lead up's going to be super respectful. Dustin has a lot of respect for Charles Oliveira, and vice versa. He was giving him congratulations to Megan Olivia after the fight. And for him, um, you know, it's been, a you know, that moment of him actually becoming undisputed lightweight champion of the world is, uh, has, has been a long time, long time, long time coming. So, um, you know, as, as you never like to see anybody get hurt, you still give congratulations to, to Poirier for, for getting the job done that he did in that first round. You do hope that Conor McGregor has a, a a full recovery and that he is able to continue his career because um, that was the most even even with the even with all the stuff that went down with Habib, you know, and you had the brawl. This was for sure the most despondent I think you've seen Conor after a position like this, and obviously, like look, his leg is getting is getting taped together and and put together and. I under you know you you gotta understand why he's at that spot, but also uh, you know just a lot of anger out of him today, man. A lot, a lot, not not the guy having fun. Wasn't having a lot of fun, and not the uh, the guy who was doing all that. And uh, no love lost between these two. We'll take a quick break. On the other side, we'll get into the rest of the card. We're back with more after this. Welcome back, everybody. Towards fight show here on seven ninety the ticket. Let's get into a little bit of uh, the rest of UFC two sixty four from last night. Um, big highlights. We'll start with the co-main event. You had Gilbert Burns. He got himself a win over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I would say, that, you know, Wonderboy is probably the hardest guy. It's it's in in the weight class to look good in getting a win or look pretty, I should say, because I don't think it's it's not like Gilbert didn't look good. I thought that you know he was really effective getting to his takedowns. Um, you know, didn't inflict the most damage when you were able to take him down. But, it, it, you know, we, we know this from the title defenses when you take on Wonderboy. It's really, really tough to to fight him. It's uncomfortable. He's he's unorthodox, has that crazy style. Um, 
but I, I I was right there with the judges as far as the 29-28. I agreed. Uh, he took one and three on my cards. Two, I thought that Wonder Boy won enough of the round. I, I didn't think that the uh, the last 45 seconds justified Gilbert getting that one. Um, I thought they both really got to their games at different points. Um, but Gilbert went the smart way because it was probably going towards the area of, you know, Wonderboy was cutting loose. He was, he was really finding his spots in that final round in the third round, uh, hit him with a vicious, right. Got him with a, with a, with a back, with a, with a spinning back kick, you know, dropped him. And so when you're at that point and you're Gilbert Burns, you gotta think, all right, let's do the prudent thing here. Take him down. We got three minutes left in this round. And, uh, you know, really went with that game plan to, to go in and ice the thing for him to, uh, go get the win in this one. So it was a good win for Gilbert, Gilbert Burns. I was curious to see who he was going to call out afterwards. And he went with uh Masvidal, Leon Edwards. Um, Masvidal was honestly the first name that came to me for, uh, for Gilbert. I think that's a, I think that's a fun fight, fun style. Um, Masvidal a little bit less, uh, unorthodox. I think these guys will stand and bang a little bit. Um, it's a fun fight, I think, for uh, for for both sides. I know that you know you, you you do have both of those guys. Like I would say, the one thing that's tough is you know both of those guys have losses to Camaro. I mean, everybody has a loss to Camaro, but both of them had pretty recent losses to Camaro. So I don't know really what it does for their status as far as um, as far as title contention is concerned. And Dana White said this week that it looks like he he thinks that Masvidal Leon Edwards is the fight to make. I can't disagree with him. I think with the past and and the, and the personal history there, that one has a little bit more juice to it. Uh, he also mentioned Nate Diaz as well. I don't think that really does much for me. Um, seeing Nate fight a uh, seeing seeing Nate fight fight Gilbert Burns, I, I, I'm not really into that at all. Uh, him versus Leon Edwards, you know, that's that's another great one. I mean, if Leon wants to get that one more fight to really prove himself. Um, and Gilbert really wants to put himself in an undeniable position. Listen, you beat number four, he takes out number three, he starts, you know, checking off everybody, and then they really have no shot, uh, no other choice but to give him a shot against Kamar Usman. Um, that could be a prudent way for him to go. It, it could be. So um, I liked the idea of Masvidal, but I, I like the idea of Masvidal taking on Leon Edwards more if that's uh, where it ends up going after hearing what Dana White had to say this week. As far as uh, the fight before that, I mean, the, the fight really, the fight, the main card really hummed up until you got to the co-main event. I mean, tied to Ivasa versus Greg Hardy. Shout out to these guys because a lot of the times we get these heavyweight matchups. Um, you know, you think I let Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou were like, oh my God, like I can't, I can't wait to see what's going to happen with these guys. Somebody's definitely going out in the first round. And a lot of times it doesn't happen. A lot of times there's a lot of feeling out. There's staring down. Somebody doesn't want to pull the trigger. We're seeing two guys, two two hammers in the in the octagon, and you don't get that satisfaction of these guys really threw down. That was not the case in this one. Greg Hardy uh, hit Ty Tuivasa with a big shot. Tuivasa was a little bit on wobbly street, and then uh, Hardy charges in, and he hits him with a left hook that just flattens him. And uh, and puts him away and tied to Ivasa. I mean, just goes immediately uh, crazy. Somehow finds a shoe and a beer. I don't know where it came from. I don't know how he's able to do that. People just giving him shoes and beers up the up the wazoo. So the shoey man tied to Ivasa got himself a, a a a big time victory in the uh, in the aftermath of this one and really really uh, 
an enjoyable, enjoyable performance for him. High profile win. I think that he, you know, listen, there's definitely, I think, a guy that he should have beaten. You know, Ty has been in there with some really A-class guys in the heavyweight division. And uh, he's better than Greg Hardy. Uh, for Greg, it's tough because Greg's, you know, now suffered two losses in a row. He's been knocked out two times in a row. A lot of talk about, you know, he's going back to the drawing board and, and things like that. And, you know, he is, um, he's, uh, he, he, I think, has had an interesting start to his UFC career or had an interesting start to his UFC career and that there's a lot of weirdness in there. There was an inhaler. There was a legal knee. Uh, beat some guys. Had a respectable performance against Volkov. Um but my question's always just kind of been like, how, you know, he talks a big game. He's like talked about he's going to be the next great two sport athlete. And, you know, it was he racked up six wins in his UFC career. So I guess that's not nothing. But for him to, to, to the idea that he's going to be a heavyweight contender, I just don't see I, I don't see that from him. I don't. And this isn't like this really doesn't have anything to do with you know, the controversy around Greg Hardy and everybody booing him and nobody liking Greg Hardy for what's been in his past and all that type of stuff. This really just comes down to, I've watched, you know, the guys' fights have always been high-profile fights. They always put them in co-main events or they put them in uh, ESPN cards or high pay-per-view cards. Like, you know, people are intrigued by seeing, can this guy be any good at this? And I think he's okay. I don't think that he's, I don't think he's uh, an embarrassment. I think he's, I think he'll be able to do this for a little bit more um, as long as he's not getting, you know, the, the the snot beat out of him like he has the last two fights. But do I think that Greg Hardy's ever going to be world champ? Like he was calling out Derek Lewis this week. Derek Lewis would, I mean, just wipe the floor with him. It just wouldn't even be close because you're talking about you can't even be tied to Ivasa. And Derek Lewis is levels above tied to Ivasa. Um, so, you know, the guy's got a lot of confidence. The guy's got a lot of bravado. But yeah, he's just not that dude in this sport. He's just not as far as uh, as far as being a title contender is concerned. Um, he's probably lasted a lot longer than I think a lot of people thought that he would. So you can give him some credit in, in, in that regard. But everything around him with losses, that's all kind of had a shadow of controversy or questions or excuses that have been built in. Not these last two. These last two, you can't say that about him. So... There's that with uh, with him. And then and the other parts of the card for today, you had uh, Irene Aldana getting a vicious TKO win over Yana Kunitskaya. Only thing that sours this is that Irene did miss weight by a lot. Um, she was 139 pounds, so she was nearly, a, nearly halfway to the next weight class against Yana, and that's tough. Uh, she had to give up 30% of her purse, and I always hate that. Like, you, So you'd like to just say, like, hey, you know, hats off win you know we should be excited about uh, irene and all that but that 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 that's rough man four four and a half pounds and you got to give up 30 percent of your weight uh 30 percent of your your paycheck look she put a beating on yana i'm not saying that uh even if it, if she was able to make weight but that's the kind of the whole point of it like you are supposed to make a weight and that's the only thing for me is it, it, it just puts a, a damper it just does it just puts a damper on it and then uh this was uh this was the only this next fight the the one that opened up the 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 main card Sean O'Malley versus Chris Montino. This to me the this was one of the worst crimes of the night because Sean O'Malley's taking on a guy in, in Chris Montino who he 
was working in a paint warehouse. He took this fight on 11 days notice. And he's taking on a guy in Sean O'Malley who they're basically saying, hey, we want this guy to go get a win. Um, he was supposed to take on Louis Smolka who got a, an infection and wasn't able to fight. And so, look, you're trying, if you're Sean O'Malley, to up yourself in, weight, uh, in, in, in status here, get yourself a really, really good win. And, and that's all well and good. But, you know, all right, so we're kind of feeding you this kid off the regional scene. Like, go out there and and have a highlight real knockout. Do your sugar show thing, and and let's see it, you know. And that's the thing, you know, I know I did a lot of talking down on Connor the last segment, but that is the thing with Connor. You have to give – you have to step back and realize how hard it is to do what he did to rise to fame because, you know, for – for Sean, Sean has been here and he, and he's had some some sick knockouts. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's had some really sick knockouts in his career, but he's also at a loss and he also had this fight which you know really should have gone to decision. You know, Chris Chris was was game the entire time and was taking everything Sean was di- dishing and he was di- and I'm not taking credit away from, from Sean in that he was dishing out some brutal stuff. I mean, he hit him with I think it was like the, the stats that they put up there, he lit them up like a Christmas tree with the significant strikes. So there were probably moments you could have probably asked Herb Dean, hey, stop this fight. But he just kept coming. He just kept coming forward and just kept bringing it and was getting his shots in on O'Malley. He wasn't winning the fight. Don't get me wrong. You know, Sugar Sean was for sure one of this, but Chris was key. He, he just... He he kept coming forward. He kept putting his hands up, walking walking in, taking the the one twos, taking the kicks, all of that stuff, and was trying to get his on. So for every eight that he took, he was getting his one in. And with this fight to have thirty seconds left, and Herb Dean stop it. First of all, it's crazy that Herb Dean stopped it. It's Herb Dean. Usually, you need a, a chalk outline on the canvas. He'll still let the fight still go. Like, there needs to be some serious, serious ramifications of, of a guy's health. And Herb Dean's just like, are we sure, are you sure you can't go on? This is Herb Dean. And for for Chris, I just felt bad. I was just like, okay, it, it, people are going to look at that now, and, and he's going to be another name on Sean O'Malley's resume that he was able to finish and, you know, um, continue his knockout percentage. And I just, I didn't think he deserved it. I think that Chris, I, I felt like Chris was going to continue to weather those punches and was going to make it another 27 seconds. So I hated that stoppage from Herb Dean. I really, really did. It was a huge bummer for me. I thought that, uh, I thought that Sean O'Malley, look, dominant fight for him. You could even say there were some 10 eights in there. I don't even, I don't even know what the scorecards were quite frankly, but I thought that, uh, I thought that Muntino deserved to, uh, to finish that fight and uh, and 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 go to the judges' scorecards, I thought that was a a bullcrap stoppage from Herb Dean, really was. So that's a recap of UC, UC, uh, UFC two sixty four. Everybody, um, fun night, um, certainly a memorable night. I think that uh, I think that between you know tied to Ivasa's shoeys and the crazy stoppage, uh, the 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 bullcrap stoppage from Herb Dean, and then certainly. Uh, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor is going to be a memorable one just because of the way it ended. Um, in a, a, a wild, weird night for sure. in the, uh, in the night of the UFC. So we're going to get into boxing on the other side, a huge story this week in the world of the heavyweight division, 
Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. It's been postponed. We'll tell you about that story. And plus, we got ourselves an interview coming up. Joe Samara from Delray Beach Boxing and Black Sheep Promotions. He is going to stop by on the program, tell us a little bit about what they got coming up in September in the city of Delray Beach. So we'll talk to Joe, and we'll talk a little Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder on the other side. Okay, welcome back, everybody. It's uh, Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Did a lot of UFC, did a lot of UFC recap. If you guys missed any of it, of course, you guys know we'll put the podcast up. You guys can get that on afterwards. But you guys know we love putting a spotlight on the local boxing scene. Uh, love going out to the shows here locally when we can get out there. And uh, one, you know, a lot of the shows are down here in, in Dade County. And a lot of shows, uh, you know, are fantastic to go to with the Hard Rock and all that type of stuff. But don't get a lot of stuff in Palm Beach. I can't remember the last time I went to a show in Palm Beach. Probably, uh, I think it was Tyrone Spong's. I went to the West Palm Beach Convention Center. But uh, Black Sheep Promotions is bringing themselves a card to the Delray Beach Tennis Center. And that is coming our way in September, September 10th. They're putting their card on. A lot of great young fighters, a lot of great young local fighters that you guys can go out and support. And the man behind the promotions, Joe Samara, who also runs Delray Beach Boxing, which is a beautiful gym in uh, in Delray Beach. A lot of great champions trained there. Erickson Lubin, uh, MMA-wise, Kamaru Usman does some work there. Um, a lot of great fighters trained there. It's a great facility. And these guys, are they, they've already put on one show, and they did it actually at their gym. And it was such a success that they wanted to blow it up a little bit. So I got a chance to talk to Joe this week. And uh, just go into a little bit of what their uh, their upcoming card is going to be like on September to, uh, on September 10th, and uh, why they decide to to blow it up, make it even bigger, and put it right there in the heart of downtown Delray Beach, right there in that beautiful tennis center where they have so many great tournaments and things like that. And so here's our conversation with Black Sheep Promotions and Delray Beach Boxing's Joe Samara. All right, very excited to talk to our next guest, Joe Samar from Black Sheep Promotions and Delray Beach Boxing. We are at the Delray Beach Tennis Center where people are serving themselves back and forth, and that's always great. But we're going to switch it up a little bit, come up in September 10th, get a little bit more violent up in here, a little bit more action. I like tennis as much as the next guy, uh, Joe, but I, I like the fact that you guys are switching it up a little bit. Um, for those who don't know, you guys have been putting on your own promotions at your own gym in Delray Beach Boxing, but you decided to blow it up a little bit and do something a little bit big. This is much bigger. So uh, what, what kind of came to be? How did you decide that you wanted to uh, take your shows, which have been very successful at your gym, and kind of blow it up a little bit? I mean, well, I started, I mean, we took over Delray Beach Boxing in January of 2020, like right in the middle of COVID. Um, from there, you know, we, we decided to do our first show. Coach Kevin Cunningham, you know, we brought him on board to like basically just train his fighters at our gym. You know, we, we became good friends. And from there, he decided to, you know, give me some ideas, some pointers. He's been in the game for 30 years. He said, hey, why not let's throw your own show? Let's partner up and do it together. So, you know, I let him guide me a little bit. We did our first one, you know, this past year, March 4th, at our actual, actual gym, which was a huge success. But we realized we outgrew that right after the first one. So we decided to try to go big. I mean, it might be a little bit bigger than we expected, but, <laughs> you know. Was, uh, so the idea of, of, of doing it bigger, like, when you were putting this card together and the fighters that you guys wanted to showcase, like, how did that all come to be? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, Coach Kevin Cunningham has his stable of fighters that, you know, train at, train at our gym, and, you know, they have a huge following. And, you know, these guys, you know, like, you know, we thought that, you know, hey, they wouldn't be able to bring as many people as we expected, but we sold out of the tickets within the first month of selling them. So we knew that if we were going to do another show with, you know, some of the same fighters plus more, that we're going to have to have, you know, way, way more of an audience than we had. 
And uh, and who are some of the fighters that you're you're excited about showcasing here? So we have uh, you know Antonio Bang Williams. You know he's he's a, you know a 14 and 0 pro. Um, you have Lawrence B T Newton, also 14 and 0. You know one of our new debut guys. He's 2 and 0 now. Jonas Sylvain. Um, we, we we're actually bringing down uh, Jim Jim Torney. He he was a he's a heavyweight guy. He's actually in Wilder's camp right now, helping him with sparring for the fight. Which unfortunately just got postponed. I know it's crazy. That's one of these things that's that's been a. Uh, I felt like it kind of felt like it was over with the COVID stuff, but now we've had like two big cards uh, derailed by it now over the last uh, two months with the Tiafimo fight and now this fight. Both. I mean, I think. Uh, I mean, probably like off topic, but I think that that's that's an excuse sometimes people use when they're actually not ready. I've heard some of that too. You know? I've, there's definitely been some rumblings about the Lopez fight that. Uh, isn't so much i guess with this one this one kind of just kind of snuck up with the whole the whole thing is there anything like i just kind of off topic of the event but like you guys uh, with your gym is there anything you guys do preventive wise because i know it does feel like a lot more open than it has been uh in months past i mean nothing really like i mean we try to like you know obviously we we, we clean we clean the gym as much as we possibly can you know you know, we, we don't, we have, like, we obviously ask our members, you know, hey, like, don't come in if you're feeling certain symptoms. But, I mean, luckily, we've been lucky enough that we haven't had that issue. And we have, we had two camps at our gym. We had Leon Lawson's camp and we had Erickson Lubin's camp at our gym this past, you know, few months. So, What about, um, as far as, uh, as far as putting on shows locally, you know, the, a lot of people have done shows, you know, down in, in you know, Dade and, and Broward and stuff like that. What do you think about the idea of bringing something in a, a town like this, Delray Beach? very hopping downtown it's a very cool place to uh to have this this type of venue where like you know a lot of people like to come down here they like to party they like to come and check out a, a showcase like this i feel like it'd be a good kind of all-around experience that night of not only getting you guys people to come here but then they have the kind of the scene of it all well i mean i think like you know anytime people think south florida they think automatically hey south beach miami but what people don't realize is delray is becoming the next you know you know, south part of, you know, people, people are now starting to say, hey, let's go to, let's go to Delray. Like, that's the popping spot. So, you know, you know, my partner, Justin, he's helping me co-promote everything. He, like, you know, he started doing some research and we said, hey, why not do it at the tennis center? So we came together and we kind of spoke to them. And there was actually a fight here in 2002. Oh, really? That was the last time there was a boxing match here. So, you know, when, when, when we spoke to them, they were actually very excited, very helpful to get us on board here. And I mean, we're I mean, we're hoping to do like the major the rest of our shows here going forward. Being around the sport uh, as long as you have, like, do you feel like that experience is good for these young guys early in their careers? You know, two fights, three fights, even fourteen fights. Just the idea of like they're showcasing an event. Like, there's the idea that the experience that they can go through, like, it's going to feel big. You're going to walk into an arena. There's going to be a you know thousand plus people here or whatnot in this in this kind of a venue. Like, what kind of benefit do you think that is of uh, for a young fighter to just go through? the stuff where you know stuff gets bigger and bigger and bigger i mean i think the upside with black sheep promotions in general is that we're trying to have our fighters you know fight on like a big platform from the jump you know hey it's still a local show mm -hmm. but you're talking about you know hey a couple guys are debuting on this card there's a couple guys that have only two or three fights on this card and they're going to fight in front of 2500 people opposed to most guys you know do do their first 10 shows in front of 100 people you know no different than the amateur shows that they're used to so I think that's, you know, that's a big stepping stone for us to be able to offer these young fighters alongside, you know, the, our fighters having the opportunity to train with, you know, the great Kevin Cunningham, who, you know, he's trained, you, know, you name him, he's, he's trained him. So. Yeah. What did you think about uh, the, the Lubin performance? He looked really, really good. Oh, I think he was sensational. I don't think he could have had a better performance. 
you know, he, he went in there, he had, he had a game plan, he stuck to it, and he got him out of there in six rounds, you know. So, I mean, I think he's, uh, I think he's next in line for Charlo and, uh, or whoever wins out of uh, Charlo and Castaño. So. Um, from the from the standpoint too, you, you know, talking about uh, big platforms and, and having that kind of experience, that clean experience as a fighter, is there a crazy one that comes to mind, like in your past, where you've been like, I can't believe we're doing fights here. I can't believe what type of venue this is or these circumstances that we're going out there to go fight in. Like, what's the wildest one you've seen in uh, your your life in the sport? Like in terms of boxing in general, just, just like, what, yeah, like as far as you like, you're looking around and it's either sketchy or shady or or it's just like, man, I can't believe we're here. Um, that makes you want to do something like this that's just on a much bigger, cleaner scale. I mean, I'm a huge Tyson Fury fan, so, like, you know, watching him, you know, when, when, when he fought Wilder, especially the this, this second one, mm -hmm. you know, and following his story, I think it's pretty cool that we can actually apply something of our own and have our own fighters that have their own stories. Yeah. Just, like, getting it to showcase it for people to know them. Yeah, exactly. So you're, you're kind of, you know, you're giving these guys an opportunity that, you know, like, you know, some of these younger guys never had, you know, like even our, our first our first show was nationally televised on the Impact Network. So it's kind of like it gives us it gives them, you know, an opportunity to, hey, I'm I'm on TV on my first fight or, yeah. you know, what do you think is, uh, you know, people who get the uh, opportunity to see fighters down here from South Florida who get to train down here? What do you think about the talent crop down here? And uh, do you do you see that's growing? Because South Florida's definitely been on a, a much bigger stage over the last year, I feel like, with, uh, you know, us being a more open state and people kind of be like, where can we go? We can go to South Florida. But uh, as far as the boxing guys that you see in your gym, just what do you think of the, the overall talent that uh, people may not know? I think that there's there's more talent here than people even even know. But I think the biggest issue that we have in South Florida in terms of boxing is, is exposure. And, like, you know, unfortunately, we're in South Florida. People rather go party than, you know, hey, go to a boxing match. You know, even even of recent, you know, the Mayweather-Logan Paul event, like, it was a great event, but, you know, it wasn't as packed as you would expect it to be, yeah. opposed to an Erickson Lubin's fight, which was in Atlanta. He was the co-main event against Gervonta uh, Davis. That was a sold-out crowd. Like, you know, we were there, and there was nowhere to move. So I think, like... The talent is here. I think it's just a matter of getting people to, you know, become more of fans, I would say. Just get, yeah, just so you get, get more exposed to the sport. Get, and get more exposed in, in, in sports in general, not only boxing. I mean, you're talking about, you know, years ago we had LeBron James play for the Miami Heat. Games weren't always sold out. That's not, that's not heard of now, you know, in regards to like wherever, uh, him playing in L.A. or, or wherever he is. Um, anything else you want to say about the show before uh, before you chat here? Coming up September 10th, uh, where people can get their tickets, uh, how they can get I mean, you uh, could, can you find could, themselves at the venue. You could go to Black Sheep Promotions on our Instagram. You could we have our our, li our direct link there, which you can you can actually uh, go to our Eventbrite link. You can you can buy fight apparel for, for to support our fighters. Um, other than that, I mean, I'd hope to see you guys there. Absolutely, man. We're looking forward to the show. It sounds like it's going to be a fun one again. September 10th, coming here at the Delroy Beach Tennis Center. Joe, we appreciate the time, man. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Joe for the time. Really, really appreciate it. Before we get out of here, we'll get into a little bit of boxing. We mentioned it there in the interview. Uh, the story of the week, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder postponed. We were just uh, two weeks out from having that uh, third fight. Which I was, listen, even with the idea that I thought Tyson Fury was easily going to win that fight, um, just because of how we've seen the majority of the rounds go, the way that he won the second fight, the way that Deontay Wilder has been very weird with the excuses and the conspiracies, it's still Deontay Wilder, he's still got bombs in his, in his boxing gloves, you always gotta account for that, does Tyson Fury make a mistake, 
He's saying some weird stuff like I'm going to be 300 pounds for this. Does that mean he's training hard? He says it's going to be because he's going for a knockout more. Does he get a little bit too cutesy with that? Does uh, Deontay Wilder only wear a towel to the ring so he doesn't have a 40-pound suit ruin him? I don't know. But um, either way, like I definitely wanted to see Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua more. But, you know, this is what it is. I don't know, you know, with the legal process making this fight happen. All right, we're almost here. We're two weeks out. You're excited about a big fight that's going to happen, regardless of if, if it's not the uh, the fight you want to see. And we get word this week that Tyson Fury uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Apparently, it was running rampant through his entire camp. And the fight's off, or the fight's postponed. And it looks like it's going to go towards uh, October. I think October 9th is the date that I've uh, seen throw around. So... It sucks. It sucks for the uh, for the process of this. You know, you never want to see a guy like Tyson Fury, uh, who's peaking uh, and, and get to that point of camp. You know, now he's got this, you know, sickness that affects some people in different ways. Some people bounce back and it's like nothing. I remember, you know, Jimmy Butler coming back and having an incredible performance off of COVID for the Heat, and then you think about a guy like Kendrick Nunn who you know, look like it took a half a season to get back to himself. Jason Tatum talking about he needed an inhaler. Um, you think of it, a guy like Teofimo Lopez who has dealt with asthma. How's that going to affect him if he is leading up to this Cambosis fight? And so it sucks that if it does affect Tyson Fury in a certain way that like, okay, you feel like you're not going to get the, the, a, the a version of Tyson Fury going into this fight against Deontay Wilder. It also sucks for Deontay Wilder because he's also tuning up for this fight, being a choo-choo train, lifting all kinds of weights to uh, to get himself to this bout. So it's just it's just bad from all around. This is interesting. There is a little bit of conspiracy. You know, we, we were talking about there, you know, there's been some wild conspiracies surrounding the uh, the Tiafima Lopez-Cambosis fight. Um, you know, rumblings we can get to on another episode and all that. But it's interesting because some people are now speculating, well, will Tyson Fury... And his people try and swerve out of this fight now because I believe it was that this fight was supposed to happen by September 15th. That was what the arbiter ruled. Is there going to be another loophole that they try and get out of now that this fight won't happen by September? And then he can bounce and try and make the fight happen with Anthony Joshua. I don't know. You know, because Tyson Fury was probably set on, I'm going to fight Deontay Wilder in July. I want to fight Anthony Joshua by the end of the year. Now he's fighting Deontay Wilder by uh, hopefully October. Then when the hell is he going to fight Anthony Joshua? Who knows? So it's just a it's it's a it's it's a poor circumstance for everybody involved here. Um, I will say for Deontay, you know, if you if he wants to look at it, any benefit, you know, he's got this new partnership with his new trainer. Does this give him some more time to fine tune things? I don't know if a couple months is going to be something that can can get him in a in a position to. I, I by no means think it's going to make him a guy who 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 tightens up things from the boxing uh, skill standpoint. But you know, can they can they fine tune some more stuff for him to find a way to get that right hand on Tyson Fury? Um, maybe you know, maybe maybe he can he can take a benefit some way in that way. But I'm sure if he had things all all, all things equal, he'd much rather have this fight uh, be closing in. That's our show for this week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. And if you missed any of it, you can download the podcast on the Odyssey app. You guys can go check out some clips on YouTube. 
Go subscribe. That's both on the, you get the uh, the links on my social media pages at Brendan underscore Tobin. Thanks again to Joe Samar from Black Sheep Promotions for joining us. Go check out their show coming up on September 10th. I'm sure we'll have some more stuff uh, in the lead up to that card as well. And uh, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow on the morning show, 6 to 10 a.m. As you guys catch us every single weekday. Uh, watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash 790 the ticket. And uh, we'll talk to you next time, everybody. Have a great rest of your Sunday. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus ATT and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T Mobile store today. 